0: Okay, I want to show you some pictures of our inaugural uh, healing prayer service last Wednesday. When people started streaming in, I started counting and I stopped counting at about 50. Well, at 50 actually, because later on there were more people coming in and I had to concentrate on the service and stop counting. Uh, and as after we anoint with oil and we asked people to come forward and and, and we paired them off with, uh, intercessor, uh, with, with altar ministers to pray. And then I also began counting, and I stopped counting at 11 uh, people who came forward to be prayed for, and, and some came forward as proxies because a very ill father is in hospital or somebody who is very sick at home, unable to come. So we had people come forward for, for prayer for healing, as well as those who came forward uh, as proxies. How would I characterize last Wednesday... Well, I had all kinds of things going on in my mind. I thought it might get a little bit wild, it might whatever, but my conclusion that is a one-word description is peace. And as we shared among the full-time staff, uh, someone else would say, yeah, I, I, I just felt a, such a sense of, of peace uh, when we were praying uh, together. But why healing prayer? Why this particular season a healing prayer service in PPH. And this was a slide that I show, showed last Wednesday, that our purpose is just to pray. And our purpose is to pray in faith. But our motivation, as was the motivation of Jesus Christ, is compassion. You know, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 14, when Jesus saw the large crowd, He had compassion on them and healed their sick. Of course, when we pray and when people get healed, God is glorified. But that is, is not the motivation. The motivation, As though, oh, let's do some fantastic wonders and then God is glorified. It's very, it's, it's very good, it's very noble. But we believe that the motivation is compassion and compassion of Christ. And then, it is God's prerogative. God is sovereign. He will heal whomever, whenever by His grace. Last week, Dr. Peng said that I will answer all the difficult questions. Well, my own experience in this area of, we call it divine healing, some call it faith healing, has gotten to be sort of quite negative nowadays even. My own experience of divine healing is very, very limited. Since four years old, I have had asthma and I've been seeking healing for my asthma ever since. I've tried everything from eating bats yeah, bats as in Batman uh, crocodile uh, a chicken stuffed into a pomelo uh, a quail that I killed myself by pressing the beak together and suffocated to death uh, even arsenic, uh, arsenic was inadvertent, I didn't know it was arsenic and prayer many people have prayed for me And they tell me, just claim it by faith. Claim it by faith. Declare verbally that I am healed and you will be healed. But when that didn't happen, then I was chastised because you have no faith. You have no faith. I have been taught also to reject the asthma. Never, never call it your asthma because it is not yours. Don't say, my asthma. You reject it. I have tried to respond by faith and stop medication. Didn't work. But I thank God that now one daily dose of steroids and my asthma is now under good control. I have had VMR, what is called vasomotor rhinitis, some breathing problem with my nose. I breathe through my mouth for years. Surgery was recommended. I don't think I prayed very hard for, for healing for VMR, but I've since been healed, seriously healed. No, no medication whatsoever for it, and I breathe very well through my nose now. Um, a year ago I couldn't raise my right hand and I couldn't scratch my back this way. And an MRI showed a torn shoulder ligament thanks to over exercise. Surgery again was recommended. But after some prayer and physiotherapy, um, I have relief now. I can do this, I can do this. Am I healed? I'm not sure because I didn't go back for another expensive MRI. But I know I have at least pain relief. I have a stomach reflux problem. The acid rises up from the stomach to my throat. And off and on, I get terrible pains and I bend over with pain off and on every maybe three or four months or so. So I may be an LTC, a lieutenant colonel, but actually I am an RSM, a regular sick man. <laughs> 1994, my older son, uh, then, what is it, 86, for 8 years old, was diagnosed with, uh, and this is the official medical report, uh, moderately severe hydronephrosis. I, I've shared this before. Uh, and an enlarged kidney, 25%, one kidney larger than the other. And when that happens, I, I showed this report to Dr. Ping. and his answer, I remember so clearly in my mind, is very bad news. Still don't quite understand what hydronephrosis is, but it's got something to do with the kidneys not, not flowing very well. And you pray only as a parent can pray. And then you go for all kinds of tests where horrible needles are inserted into all kinds of, or, of, of orifices. And then came this report almost exactly one month later from SGH where they did another scan and they say, everything is normal, everything is normal to the extent that when we asked the doctor, are you sure it's normal? Because he's got this thing, it's supposed to be bad news and then this Christian doctor said, don't you believe that God can heal? And then I was very rebuked. In the same year, my younger son had difficulty breathing. And a diagnosis was made, it was an adenoid problem, it had to be removed, surgery was recommended, and so we prayed as only parents can pray. But we went for surgery. There was no healing like it was in my earlier, uh, in my elder son. And after prayer, we walked with our son. I remember carrying him, he, uh, what is it, 94, 89, he's 5 years old, carrying him into the surgical uh, room. And then the the doctors were so nice uh, for the anesthesia. Do you want chocolate flavor or strawberry flavor? You can even choose. Um, And we had to walk him through when he came out, five years old, there was some pain. He said, I'm going to die. I'm dying. I'm going to die. Five years old, and it breaks your heart. 33 years I've been with this church, but I... Cannot ever recall, and and many of these years in leadership uh, from Deacon and Elder, and I cannot recall ever discussing wanting to do a healing service. Never. Until last year. Even though as good Bible reading, Bible studying brethren, we know that one-fifth of the gospel talks about healing. One-fifth. And so I went to search my records and I found this email on the 13th, Friday the 13th. For those superstitious ones, banish the thought. 13th of April 2012, last year, I sent an email to to Pastor Ming and I said, want to think about a special healing prayer meeting on Wednesday? Maybe we can do it two to four times a year. Uh, Very simple to start. Simple worship like what we normally do. Uh, Better worship would be good. Uh, simple short sermon mostly anchored on Bible verses on faith and healing or just read the Bible verses uh, without a sermon. Then we pray for the sick and intersperse that with worship and faith songs and in future after this start we should have testimonies to share and then we can include those testimonies as part of our healing prayer service and build faith. Soon after that I started discussing this with the elders, and then with the diaconate. And at that time, the diaconate was studying uh, the Holy Spirit before we began this Holy Spirit series. You remember last year with uh, Jim Simbala uh, for the congregation. And and then we looked further into uh, uh, divine healing. And some of us read through books by Bill Johnson, who who, who is very famous uh, in this aspect. We, we, we studied what is this word of faith, um, and actually the conclusion of the Word of Faith uh, is not so, we're not so positive on it. We looked through systematic theology by Wayne Grudem, and by January of this year, the diaconate approved going ahead with a healing prayer service. And the approval was unanimous. Everyone, we went through, yes or no, yes or no, and we all said yes. And then we began to visit different churches to learn the mechanics of how people do it. We visited Church of Singapore in uh, Marine Parade. We visited Living Sanctuary in Aokang. And we visited uh, Bethesda Bedok Tampanese Church, where Dr. Peng ch- uh, comes from. And then I got Dr. Raj, uh, who is who studies these things, uh, to, to brief the diaconate. And this was uh, the handout that he gave uh, responding to claims of supernatural healing. And the Dikonet meeting was in May uh, of this year. And it was amazing. Of all the, he, he went to a website called Healing Rooms, which are uh, living sanctuary practices and several other churches. And he picked out this testimony by Rodora Saria. And she said, I came as I am and I was healed because I believe. I came to healing rooms as I was desperate in need of prayers. I was healed of the excruciating pain on my back that I was experiencing for over three months. I was also healed of hypertension and diabetes. One time, I came to pray for my chest pain, but God revealed to the ministers that I had to deal with unforgiveness concerning my marriage. All glory to God who gave us hope. Praise God. Well, I looked through the Healing Rooms website. There were 162 testimonies. And Raj had to pick Rodora. Raj does not know Rodora. How many of us here know Rodora? Rodora, or Do for short, was a member of our church for many, many years. Now she she lives in Pasiris and she decided to to be closer to home and uh, go to a church in Pasiris. When I read this, I think I was as skeptical uh, as Raj was. He's a doctor, I'm not a doctor. And so I emailed to her to find out exactly how miraculous this is. And I asked her, Are you still taking medicine for hypertension and diabetes? And she said, Yes. But she says she's healed. But she's still taking medicine for diabetes and hypertension. By the way, I got her permission to share all these things. And then later on, she sent me this email. She said, Dear Pastor Kok I praise and thank God if my testimony could in any way be of help in in any form or or, or of your future endeavours about healing. I'm very cautious about the three highs. High blood pressure, high cholesterol, high blood sugar. That's why even if the intercessor says I'm healed, I still continue to take my medication on a regular basis, and I still go for my regular checkups. But the doctors are surprised at my condition, that it has been normal all these five years. The doctors ask if I am seeing outside doctors. I told them I'm seeing Doctor Jesus, and then she said, "I believe you, Cockfire. You have the gift of healing too." Now I'm going to talk about gift of healing later on. I still remember. Raul, her husband, was very sick that time when we were still living in Clemente. His urine had blood and he was running with a high fever for more than a week. You came and prayed for him. He was healed and his symptoms disappeared. Twelve years ago, I also asked you to pray for a child in my class at St. James Church Kindergarten. The boy had severe eczema to the point that his body was covered with fresh wounds. I remember you said that that was the first time you were doing this and you said it's long-distance prayer. The boy was healed and his skin was smooth with no trace of wounds. And so like Mary, the mother of Jesus, when I received these emails and, and these postings on websites, I just treasure it in my heart and I ponder, what does all these things mean? At the same time, Diaconate meeting on the 16th of May, we also got Dr. Raj to to tell us something about type 1 and type 2 errors. Anybody knows what type 1 and type 2 errors are? Okay. Type 1 error. The patient claims that he is healed. We accept his claim. We believe. If we are right on the top branch and truly he was healed, then we have accepted the true claim and we have a smiley face, right, in this chart. But if we accept his claim and he wasn't healed, that means we are wrong. We have accepted a false claim. That is a type 1 error. When there is a claim of healing and it's not true, we have just made a type 1 error. What is a type 2 error? A patient claims that he is healed. We reject his claim and say, rubbish, you are not healed. If we are right and indeed he is not healed, then we have just rejected a false claim and we are smiley people. But if we are wrong and indeed He was healed, we have just rejected a true claim and that is a type 2 error. We do not give God the glory of, say, a divine healing and we may well have grieved the Holy Spirit. If we reject a false claim, we are like wise people, very discerning. And although we are sad that there is no healing, but it is the truth. There was no healing. So what happens when we are too accepting? That means we believe everybody. We are likely to commit type 1 error. And we are likely to be labelled naive people. Or we even do harm when this person has not been healed. Stop taking medicine and we say that uh, this person has been healed. We are likely to be labelled gullible people. What happens if we are too sceptical? when there is healing and we keep saying there is no healing, then we are not giving glory to God, we are type 2 people. In general, doctors tend to be very concerned about type 1 error. That is, you claim healing, but actually there isn't. And they are very concerned about that because it does harm. It does harm. In general, pastors are likely to be very concerned about type 2 error. Because if there is healing and you don't praise God for it and you claim that there is no healing, then you are not giving glory to God. In fact, you are grieving the Holy Spirit. So doctors and pastors have a big problem with one another. But in some sense, I'm closer to the doctor than than a pastor because I'm more concerned about type 1 error. Today, since Dr. Peng says I'll be answering questions, I'm going to do a frequently asked questions. Uh, It's a question I ask myself frequently could be some of your questions. Okay, so there are five questions. Question one, does God heal today? Okay, this one, I hope Dr. Ping has answered last week to your satisfaction. I have journeyed with Dr. Ping all these 30-some years. I know it's very, very difficult for doctors when they tackle this topic of divine healing. Um, but even the terminology is quite telling huh? because one says that Dr. Peng has a medical practice. He keeps practicing and practicing and practicing. But Dr. Peng, as an elder, has a spiritual ministry that is not a practice. It's like for real. And doctors tend to want to be very precise in a very imprecise field of medicine. In a world where all kinds of harmful quackery uh, is going on, and all kinds of healing is, is, is being claimed and all kinds of funny medicine. If, and, I, and I've heard already last week two, two cases. People just walk down to the HDB void decks, they meet somebody who recommends medicine for them or somebody who says, when I massage you this way, you will be healed of cancer. All kinds of stuff are going on. So you don't blame doctors for being very, very careful about this. And I hope that elder bracket Dr. Ping has moved us in some way towards the belief Indeed, that God heals today. So question one, answered so fast. Question two, is my sickness due to personal sin? If you are sick, does it mean that you have sinned? And sin is the cause of your sickness. Well, we all know that original creation was good. When God created the heavens and the earth and man, He said, it is good. It is perfect. And we know that sin entered the world due to Adam's fall. So, in some sense, yes, sickness is due to sin. Question is, is it due to personal sin? And for this, let's read Mark chapter 2 from verse 3. Mark chapter 2 from verse 3. Some men came bringing to Jesus a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus and after digging through it, lowered the mat, the paralysed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts and he said to them why are you thinking these things which is easier to say to the paralytic your sins are forgiven or to say get up take your mat and walk but that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins he said this to the paralytic I tell you get up take your mat and go home he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. I don't know how you feel after reading this passage. Yeah, sin is linked to sickness. Not very, very direct in this passage. The next verse is going to be more direct, and this is from Matthew chapter 12. This was the invalid of 38 years sitting by the pool of Bethesda, and then Jesus healed him. After Jesus healed him, this is what happened. John chapter five, verse, uh, yeah, John chapter five, verse fourteen talks about this. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, "See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. Sin, sickness related, sickness." can be due to sin. Sickness can also be due to Satan and demons. And we read this in Matthew chapter 12, verse 22. Then they brought to Jesus a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. Blindness and muteness in this, in this case was caused by demons. And Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. A demon-possessed man had blindness and muteness. And in Luke chapter 13, verse 16, Jesus healed a woman who was crippled, bent over for 18 years. In Luke chapter 13, verse 16, Jesus said, Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? So her bent over, I don't know whether it's osteoporosis or something, was due to Satan, 18 years. So sickness can be due to sin, sickness can be due to Saman and his demons, and sickness can be due to none of the above. John chapter 9, verse 1 onwards. And as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. None of the above. You remember the book of Job, the story of Job. Job suffered from terrible boils all over his body. Job had halitosis, which is... The scientific name for bad breath, I understand. Even his wife complained about his bad breath. But it was not due to his personal sin. Because God had a higher purpose, which Job was not privy to initially. And God was in control. God is sovereign. So is sickness due to personal sin? Yes, sometimes. Is sickness due to Satan and demons? Yes, sometimes. Is sickness due to none of the above? Also, yes, sometimes. Therefore, we need discernment. And we cannot go around claiming that every sickness is due to your personal sin. You're sick, you got cancer, because you sin, you sin terribly. We cannot do that. Question number two, or three rather, God faith means we'll be healed. And here I use the efficiency of Singlish. I had a longer title, but I thought I'd better shorten it much faster. God faith means we'll be healed. Let's look at several cases. This is the case of the faith of the person who is sick. Matthew chapter 9, verse 20. Then, just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, If only I could touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter. He said, Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that moment. God's faith was healed. Secondly, the faith of the friends of the sick. In Matthew chapter 9 also, this time in verse 2, some men brought to him a paralytic lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, faith of the four men who lowered the paralysed man down from the roof, when Jesus saw the faith of the four men, he said to the paralytic, take heart. Son, your sins are forgiven, and he was healed. So, faith of the friends of the sick, and the sick person was healed. And then the faith of the intercessor. This is the, the story of the centurion in Matthew chapter 8, from verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed, and In terrible suffering, Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve for you to come under my roof. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished. And he said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. The faith of a Roman intercessor who brought his servant far away to Jesus by proxy. And Jesus healed that servant far away, a distance prayer. We also know that in Matthew chapter 13, verse 58, and Mark chapter 6, verse 5 tells us that Jesus was unable to do much healing because of the lack of faith of the people. But it does not say that Jesus did no healing because of the lack of faith. He still healed, although to a lesser degree. There are also biblical instances of people not being healed, even though I believe them and the people surrounding them had lots of faith. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 20, this is Paul saying, Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Paul left a co-worker sick. In Philippians chapter 2, from verse 25, Paul says, But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. God had mercy on him and not only on him but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Epaphroditus was sick nearly died. And then 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 23 Paul telling his coworker, his disciple, stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses, you regular sick man. Regular now, if, if I were Paul, if I were Paul, I might have rebuked the sickness of Trophimus, of Epaphroditus, of Timothy, prayed in faith, commanded healing in Jesus' name, and then have a healthy Trophimus, a healthy Epaphroditus, a healthy Timothy to join me in ministry. After all, we are serving God. But I just don't see such a simple formula for healing in the Bible and for healing in Paul's ministry. I want to quote to you uh, a Christian author who addressed this question, why God doesn't always heal and, and faith. Let me read. Faith glorifies God. Faith points us away from ourselves to God. Faith turns us away from our own power and resources to God. Faith says, Lord, I am nothing and you are everything. I entrust myself to your care. I cling to you alone. My confidence is in your word and your character no matter what happens. Faith is not a weapon by which we demand things from God or put Him in subjection to us. Faith is an act of self-denial. Faith is a renunciation of one's ability to do anything and a confession that God can do anything. Faith derives its power not from the spiritual energy of the person who believes, but from the supernatural efficacy of the person who is believed, God. It is not faith's act, but it's object, and that is God, that accounts for the miraculous. So, if you have faith, does it mean that you will always be healed? Not necessarily. If you don't have faith, then that will be a hindrance. Question number four. No healing so how? John chapter 5, about the pool of Bethesda. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralysed. One who was there who had been an invalid for 38 years When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? And the story continues, he healed this paralysed man. There were many people at the pool of Bethesda, but only one was healed in this episode. In Luke chapter 4, verse 27, And there were many in Israel with leprosy, in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. Now why were not all at the pool of Bethesda, the blind, the lame, the paralysed, why were that not all healed when Jesus was standing there at the pool of Bethesda? Why were not all with leprosy healed in Elisha's days, and you know that Elisha had a double portion of Elijah's spirit, and his miracles were all fantastic, healed lots of people. Why not all? And why not all Christians are healed? Why are not all Christians healed of sicknesses? Why? There are two persons who were mightily used of God in, in modern day uh, in, in the healing ministry. One of them is Catherine Coleman. And she said this, the only honest answer I can give is, I don't know. And I am afraid of those who claim that they do know. For only God knows. And who can fathom the mind of God? The answer is, she doesn't know. I don't know. The other person I want to quote is John Wimber, also mightily used of God in the healing ministry. Some Christians, he said, believe we should never struggle with doubt, fear, Anxiety, disillusionment, depression, sorrow or agony And when Christians do It is because they are not exercising the quality of faith they ought to Periods of disillusion, disillusionment and despair are sin If those ideas are true Then I am not a very good Christian Not only have I suffered physically with health problems But I also spent a good deal of time struggling with depression during my battle with cancer? Answer is, we don't know. But We need to understand the three aspects of, of sickness. We need to understand the body, the soul and the spirit. I, I, I got this chart, but actually it ought to be overlapping. I just don't know how to do it on PowerPoint. You see, and they're all interrelated. So, you, 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 have, you have cancer, and it leads you to depression. A sickness of the body leads you to a sickness of the soul because you have lost hope. You think that you're going to die very soon and everything is hopeless. Body, soul. And let's say you, have, you lost a job and you suffer from depression and that depression leads you to migraine or even worse, illnesses. The soul leading to the body and the cure could be very simple you know the cure could be just love and friendship from friends and especially christians is that divine healing I leave you your answer or your bodily sickness could be due to a demonic spirit right we we talked about that, that earlier it could be due to spiritual oppression and and your depression could also be due to deep buried memories like you were abused as as a child and and there was that unforgiveness that was never really granted or received. And you don't have a relationship with God and therefore there is this unforgiveness of sins in in our spirit. So it's all interrelated. And some, especially doctors, will say that certain healing appear to be psychosomatic, right? You just... Your, your, your mind uh, over, over body. And, and all this so-called divine healing could, could well just be psychosomatic. Especially after prayer, a sick person uh, uh, gets well. Why? Because his mind and his emotion is more at rest. He has finally found rest for his soul and his spirit and therefore it led to a healing of the body. I would say hallelujah, right? Psychosomatic, whatever somatic, Is great because there is a healing of the spirit of the soul which led to a healing of the body. And hallelujah, God is the God of the body, the soul and the spirit. When we learn from Living Sanctuary what happens in their healing rooms, and they collect very, very good data. So we saw the data after several years of that ministry. The people who come in, some are believers, those who are non-believers. And of the non-believers who come into the healing room, primarily asking for healing of the body, while some of them might have uh, uh, healing of the emotions, uh, healing of the soul, 37.25% eventually receive Christ. They receive the healing of the spirit. 37%, 37 37.25%. So the body, the soul and the spirit and God heals them all. Or God may leave out the healing of the body for a while but God heals your soul and definitely, God wants to heal your spirit, grant you forgiveness, welcome you into the kingdom. In our first healing prayer service last Wednesday, I haven't received the testimonies yet. It's still early days yet. We only prayed on Wednesday. But I do know that on that day, there was a healing of the spirit because one of the ladies I know was a prodigal daughter returned to Christ that night. And we praise God that there was a healing of her spirit. And I'm fully expectant that her emotions and her body will be healed as well, soon. So, we can range from what I call extreme scepticism to extreme presumption. There are some who are extremely sceptical about divine healing, And some will say that God has given us good doctors, good medical science and all healing comes from the hands of the doctors and modern medicine. So there is no need to pray for healing. No need. Because God has already given us good doctors, good medical science. Or there is this extreme insecurity of fear that when we pray, nothing happens and God will be embarrassed. Or there is this extreme insecurity that when we pray, weird things will happen and we will be embarrassed and we will be laughed at. Or there is this thinking that what is the point of being healed when we finally die anyway? So, extreme skepticism. And then there is the other extreme of presumption that if I have faith, God must heal. He owes it to me, He owes it to my faith. And if there is no healing, it cannot be God's fault. It must be your fault. And, and one of the churches that, that I personally went to to observe the healing, and there was a, this guy who went out there to, to preach before they anoint and before they pray for healing, and he says that, yeah, God heals. And if tonight there is no healing, whose fault is it? Yours. My jaw dropped, it hit the floor. These <laughs> things happen. Extreme presumption. You know, when we start with a sceptical mindset, as Dr. Ping mentioned last, last week, we tend to go to extremes in, in, in demanding absolutely 110% sure uh, verification. And then we ask more and more questions and more and more questions and, and, and are you sure this, this medical report uh, uh, is correct and we want to see everything. And if all else fails, we can always say that the original diagnosis was wrong. When I looked at my son's healing of moderately severe hydronephrosis, that was my reaction. The original diagnosis was wrong. That's why the later scan showed everything was perfect. You can, if you have extreme skepticism, go down that route. Or if you have extreme presumption than arrogance in the sense that what's the point of verifying? When I pray for you and you say you're well, the pain is gone, don't go back to the doctor. Why waste your money? My faith, I pray you're healed. That's it. No need to verify. That's the other extreme. But friends, there is this blue line at the bottom. That's the bottom line. Okay? The bottom line says, In Revelations 2, 21, verse 4, it says, Then God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. And let me add that, sickness. For the old order of things has passed away. The bottom line is, we die. So, of course we pray for healing. Of course, we have compassion for those who are sick and who are in pain. But even if I pray for your divine healing, and you are healed, you still die. You still die. The body still fails. This is a jar of clay. So these questions, does God heal today? Yes. Is my sickness due to personal sin? Yes, sometimes. But also due to Satan and demons, and also due to none of the above. God' faith means will be healed? Yes, but not all the time. Because there is this blind person who was born from birth. And uh, other people who had faith to pray, even Paul, but Timothy, wasn't healed. No healing, so how? In the end, we still die, but we we continue praying. So long as we have living breath, we continue praying. Now, who has the gift of healing? It is my firm belief that there is no such thing as the gift of healing. Before you throw stones. There is, there is no such thing as the gift of healing. If you read carefully, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, it says the gifts of healings. It also says the works of miracles. It also says the distinguishings of spirits. So it does not say that, Jeffrey, you have. The gift of healing. You are a healer. Every time you pray, somebody will be healed. 100% success. It says you have the gift of healing, and this suggests to me okay, we can study this uh, some more in the original Greek and all that. Suggests to me that it is for specific cases at specific times. And God is sovereign. He will give you a gift here through Patrick, and then He'll give here through William at a different time. And He gives the gifts of healing for specific cases at specific times. Otherwise, there will be, for sure, some anointed great healer somewhere that the whole world will line up to get prayer for healing, right? Because he's got a 100% success rate. I haven't seen that happen. Okay, I may be wrong here in the interpretation here, but this is what it suggests to me. So, God heals in a sovereign act of His grace, which was the same conclusion that Dr. Peng had. So these are the five questions that I tried to address. You may have more. We have only just begun our journey of faith together as a church here. Some of us may be more advanced than others. Uh, please be humble and bring the rest of us along. Some of us may be just starting in this journey. Please also be humble. Learn from those who are before us. Are these the only five questions I don't think so, there will be more, and so long as I have not yet reached my bottom line, you can continue to ask me, and I will continue to try and find the answers uh, for you. I just have to address one, one issue here, um, and in the meanwhile, maybe the musicians can. Okay, let's forget about the, the musicians, huh? we are running out of time. Some feel that divine healing and medical professionals are mutually exclusive. And there is a tendency to rubbish those in the medical profession, especially doctors. People go around rejecting sicknesses and rejecting doctors in the same breath. And, but you know that one of Paul's closest travelling companions was Dr. Luke? And I believe for good reason. When I go on a mission trip, I like to have doctors with me. I think that's maybe how Paul thought. Once I recorded a video testimony from someone who shared that he or she uh, received healing grace from God and then proceeded in the same breath to rubbish the doctor. You see, the doctor told me this thing. It never happened. Doctors are rubbish. So I edited that part out because the first part was very good. So we need to appreciate that, that medicine is still very much an imprecise uh, uh, science. And science is imprecise. And much of it still remains a mystery And patients need to love and appreciate doctors, right? We have so many in this church. And doctors need to love their patients and be humble and to appreciate that God does intervene in miraculous, divine ways. So, believers pray, doctors treat, God heals. And we seek not just the healing of the body, but the soul for inner healing, for healing of memories, and also, especially, of the Spirit, forgiveness of sin, a right relationship with God. In John chapter 4, there was a royal official that came to ask Jesus to heal his son. And Jesus said, you may go, your son is healed. And we praise God for his healing. I asked Jesus to heal my son of hydronephrosis. And Jesus said, you may go, your son is healed. And we praise God for His healing grace. I also asked Jesus to heal my other son of uh, an adenoid problem. And Jesus says, you may go through the surgery. He didn't heal. But He says, I will be with you and my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. You may go. Your son is healed. You may go through the difficult times, but I will be with you. For some, God says, I will heal you. For others, He in His sovereign will will say, I will hold you. I will hold your hand. For some, He will say, I will work a miracle in you. And for others, He will say, I will just walk each mile with you through the valley of the shadow of death. My grace is sufficient for you. So I I end with with my hope of uh, what should be the PPH way of life. Okay, PPH way of life, uh, if you use this as an acronym, okay, I know it's a bit cheesy, but the first P is to pastor our community. Then this capping is our way of life, right? We are always on the constant lookout to bless people, whether the people in your home, uh, in your school, uh, where you work, in your cell group, in your church, in Teban Gardens, uh, your favourite hawker store, the uncle who comes and cleans your place. We want to find ways to bless them. Uh, The next PH is our way of life, and that is to pray for healing. And let's be bold to pray in faith. Let's not be, be afraid that God will be embarrassed when we pray and nothing happens. Or when we pray and somebody dies, and then we will be embarrassed. Because it is our job to pray. It is our responsibility to pray. So we pray. Doctors treat God heals and let's make that our way of life. Not just on the first one Wednesday of the month. Huh? Somebody came up to me and said, Ayah, Master, I really missed last Wednesday. I, I, I wish I could come. I said, no problem. No problem. Today, you can pray for healing. right? Uh, the coming Friday cell group meeting, you can pray for healing. It's not just the first Wednesday of the month. We, we, we especially have this prayer service to focus right? And, and to teach and to expect God to work. But let prayer for healing be our way of life. The first Wednesday, every Wednesday. On Sunday, every Sunday, Friday CG, Saturday CG, in your office, in your school. Let's better be praying in ten 45. Let's pray, let's pray. Father, we, we, we come before you and we just want to thank you, Lord, that for your compassion. We know that when we are sick, when we look at our... Uh, at other people who are sick, we know that you have compassion, full of compassion and mercy, and you heal. Lord, I want to pray that in this church, you will grant to us the joy of seeing many instances of divine healing, body, soul, and spirit. You Grant to us the faith, the boldness to pray for someone compassion, first of all, to approach that one and to offer prayer. Help us to make it our way of life. And Lord, I pray too that every Sunday, every Wednesday, every day we will then be constantly praising You and talking about Your sovereign acts of grace in in this person's life and that person's life. And and for this morning, we want to praise You for the three who received salvation last night, I want to praise you for that, for your daughter last Wednesday who after a long prodigal journey away from you has returned to you in faith and now is praying for healing of her body and her soul. But we thank you that you have healed her spirit. So help us now, Lord. Send us forth from here to pastor our community at home, at work, in school, and to pray healing with the compassion of Christ upon many people, and to receive testimonies of such healing, of your healing grace, body, soul, and spirit. We pray as we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.